We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores, the games every day. Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius with Sasha in the booth. We got some uh, some bad news today. Uh, don't expect it in the middle of August, but DeMarcus Cousins tore his ACL on Monday, uh, basically ending his Lakers career before it started. Um, I'm uh, I, I feel so bad for him. We'll get into the Lakers and all that in a moment, but just that's a guy that's come back from two devastating injuries uh only to have a third one, you know, come back on him and you know, he never got that that big second contract, right, where the, the first time he hit unrestricted free agency, he's easily lost, you know, in the nine figures in terms of of you know, salary, future salary and all that. Um, and just, he's, he's worked really hard. Sasha and I, and my brother have been working on some boogie videos. We were going to have one out on Friday, uh, for the public. And, uh, looks like that's not, not happening. Um, put a lot of time into that, but the, I, I don't say that to, you know, complain about the the work that we did and, and time wasted, but I, I really fell in love with the player that DeMarcus Cousins was, over this last month, and I was really excited to see if he could make a return to to even just eighty percent of what he was. And I, you know, it was really on on that personal level with him, and then really important to the Lakers for something like that to happen. And unfortunately, that's over before it started. So, Darius, you had a post up on Form Blue and Gold today. Um, what what are your just initial thoughts before we get into the specifics on on the yeah? I'm, I mean. So I wrote my initial post just off of Woj's um, report, right, which was very vague 
at first and said that um, his source said that it looked like he had bumped knees with someone. I'm not sure if you got a chance to see the video. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I did. So yeah. I could definitely see why someone who was maybe standing far away might think that he bumped knees with someone. Like he drove into traffic and sort of fell down. Mm-hmm. But from the angle of the vid- video, to me at least, it definitely looked like a non-contact injury. And yeah, he was trying to load up on his left leg to go for a right-handed layup, which is one of the most basic plays that you'll see right in a in in a basketball game. It's one of the most basic movements. And yeah, when he planted that left leg, it, just- it came on just a sort of a classic boogie play too right like he's sort of uh-huh. in the open court a little bit creating from from the top of the floor went hard to to the basket uh, i think i told you a couple of podcasts ago that it was cousins i think last year in sacramento um he was one of the league leaders in drives per game That's as right. a center. Yeah. just getting back to the point that you were making earlier like i had said this on twitter but just i hope that Throughout this recovery period, he's sort of looking out for his mental health as much as his physical health. Yeah. I saw you had said something online as well, just just about like, you don't know where his head could be right now. Cousins had said Mm -hmm. sort of in the aftermath of his signing for the Lakers that it was just a really hard period for him coming back from the Achilles injury and then to suffer the quadriceps injury in the first round of the playoffs, he, he was sort of like a why me? And, and mm-hmm. so imagine where his head is at now, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's just, yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I feel like you and me especially, right? I think that we often are probably looked at as people who are sort of really analyzing the game trying to get into the X's and O's of things, you you know, talking about rotations and schemes and and breaking down tape and everything else. But there's there's a real human element to basketball that I, I feel like I try to bring up a lot, but I still feel like is often forgotten when we talk about professional sports in yeah. general. And yes. so my heart just really goes out to DeMarcus Cousins, the person at this point, right? Like, you know, in a segment or whatever, we'll we'll talk about the fallout for the Lakers and everything that is on their plate now after losing a player who was going to be, I think, a like a key rotation player for them and, and truly an X factor. But at this point, to me at least, my initial reaction is all all of that stuff is really secondary, right? Just to sort of. Mm-hmm. Cousins and what this means for him at this point for his career, right? Like he's 29 years old. His his body is seemingly betraying him as a professional athlete. That's got to be the hardest thing in the world to try to reconcile with yourself. That I mean, that's your identity for how long? Like, at what point did people look at Demarcus Cousins and start going like, "Hey, that kid could really be something." you know, probably right around puberty, right? So like, this is who he's been, how he's, he's identified as a person, right? Like I am a basketball player. This is what I do. All the, and all the money stuff aside, right? Just like, I'm a basketball player who, 
can't play basketball anymore, right? Like my my left leg has just completely fallen apart from the Achilles to the quad to now the ACL. And even if he does decide to rehab it and does decide to try and come back, think of how hard the mental aspect of that is going to be, right? It's hard enough when it's your Achilles and then your quad, but now like th- those are <laughs> like the worst injuries that can happen to your legs outside of compound fractures or something like that, right? So like where's his head going to be even if he does try to bring it back on it's yeah, just no, it's just like, so sad. And in a way and it's not quite the same thing, but Chris Bosh made like a media tour in the last, I don't know, 6 to 8 months or so after he announced that he was officially retiring after his blood clot scare and all of the after effects medically that have not allowed him to be cleared to play professional basketball. And when you listen to him talk about his livelihood being taken away from him, and I'm sure that all all of those things are, are likely going through DeMarcus Cousins' mind right now. So... You you know, it's it's sort of a very somber tone from both of us right now when 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 talking about this. And in some ways, it feels like, you know, well, like he didn't die. Right. But but his career is certainly in jeopardy and and in peril. I just really try to put myself in his shoes. And it's you just instantly go to all of these dark places. And I just feel for him is all. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, we get we do have to get to the uh, to the less important things, you know. Uh, thoughts with Boogie for sure, but uh, this is devastating news to the Lakers as well. I, I've very much been of the mindset that Boogie was the most important player on the team from the perspective that we don't know what he's going to get. Or, or what what we were going to get from him, right? We know what LeBron is. We know who Anthony is, and he, you know, <laughs> Boogie, Boogie, the the best case scenario of Boogie is uh, it, that would have been a hell of a front court man, and he would have very could have very easily been the third best player on this team, and. That's gone now. I'm before we get into the specifics. Just am I overstating just the the potential loss of what this is? Or you know, you you'd mentioned that he was a a rotation guy for sure. But if like we traded pretty much all of the young guys with the exception of Kuzma, and that goes before like everything. The last like six years of pain have been. For this little window that we've tried to open up in the next couple of years to win an NBA title. And with that in mind, this is particularly <laughs> particularly difficult to swallow because it, it feels like they had to do a lot of things right just to get there anyway. And one of those things is already gone. And Yeah, so I think a lot of the team's success was going to hinge, or not success, but what what their ceiling was, right? I think their best possible outcome in terms of ceiling sort of hinged on how good DeMarcus Cousins was going to be able to be this season. I think the Lakers can be a very good team without DeMarcus Cousins. I think they could have been like a great team with Cousins playing at 80 percent 85 percent of what he was pre-Achilles injury right and it's hard to say Mm -hmm. if he would have gotten back 
to the that level. That that was definitely one of the key variables, though, heading into this season about the Lakers, what path they they were going to be able to travel. Wh- where I think that this is is truly prob problematic for them is is sort of like one of the first posts I wrote for Foreign Blue and Gold after the Lakers signed Cousins. And you and I talked about this on on an earlier podcast as well, was the Lakers have, with Cousins especially, a lot of their playmaking wrapped up in their big men. And a big part of that, I feel like, was going to be DeMarcus Cousins' ability to be sort of a distributor, not only from the low post as a post-up player, but as a guy who could operate at the top of the floor. He could create shots for for himself and others. And for a team that's lacking so much in shot creation from their guard positions, they were going to be really over-reliant on their big men, right? LeBron, um, Davis, and Boogie. And now without Boogie, I'm very interested in seeing how they sort of replicate or make up for some of that playmaking and who that burden is going to fall on be because I don't think there's more room on the plate for Davis and LeBron to to carry more burden in in that area based off of the roster construction the way that it is right now. Yeah, I I think I think Davis does need to carry more of a burden. And I think it's just even if that's transferred a bit from one area to another, Davis AD was in a spot where he could be a pure finisher, right? Off of Boogie's shot creation, uh, even if it's just as a playmaker off of set plays from the top of the key, or off of pick and rolls with LeBron, but you had these just different ways and, and different people that, hey, we can get AD the ball in in this variety of ways, and AD needs to put the ball in the hoop, which he's great at. I, I think that AD has some untapped ability as a ball handler and as a playmaker that the Lakers are going to le- need to lean on a lot more than they did before Boogie went out. Because, you know, when you look at the guards on the team, there aren't a lot of guys that you're afraid of them scoring. And that's a big part of playmaking, right? Is that ability to be a threat, to put the ball in the hoop, drawing extra defenders, finding the open man, right? Basketball isn't that complicated. We can make it out to be, but the ability to draw additional attention creates odd number advantages. You have players that are open as a result. Well, AD has that superstar type of gravity, not just like a good guard type of gravity, but superstar type of gravity. And he is hit and miss in terms of his ability to capitalize on that as a playmaker. That's something that if if I'm right and he does have that in him, we really need that to come out now. And so I think just the basic offensive construction will probably need to be altered by by the loss of Boogie. I wonder if, <laughs> I hate saying this, but I wonder if Rondo becomes more... Look, I was just about uh, to say his uh, name, uh, man. Yeah, like, man. It was very interesting because on one of our previous discussions, we had talked about how the Cousins-Rondo pairing was one that we wanted to stay away from and how mm-hmm. the, we envisioned if Cousins is playing to a level where he's going to be in the game for... 25 minutes or so, then finding a role for Rondo was harder. Remember when we were sort of building out those lineups and how, well, where does Rondo play in some of these lineups if 
if mm-hmm. we've already established that him and cousins isn't necessarily a good pairing and the plus minus and on off day data from their time in in new orleans together sort sort of bore that out so you were talking about ron rondo and i stepped on your toes a little bit but but i definitely imagine him now needing to play a little bit more just because he's another facilitator and I, I don't want to necessarily say creator of of offense, but but someone who definitely understands how the pieces move around the board and and is a good distributor and someone who who understands how to get teammates shots. I guess. I mean, that's the argument for him for sure. But the the downsides are still like they're still there and they're significant. Like if this team wants to win an NBA title, like maybe Rondo is is a guy who for a playoff series or for one game can kind of, this happens a lot with, with guys who used to be really good, but are getting older and no longer have it is they can kind of summon their former selves for small stretches. And I, Rondo, there's no reason to believe that Rondo would be any different, but for 82 games and then to try to get 16 wins to get, an NBA title. I just have a hard time picturing that he's a a big part of that, even with Boogie going out. But then, you know, we go back to, well, if not Rondo, then who, right? Like, does, does, like Kuzma has some passing ability that he's flashed throughout his career. We need him to take an uptick there. Caruso is another guy. Guys like Quinn Cook and Avery Bradley aren't really playmakers in their far enough into their career where you don't really expect that to emerge. So I, I find myself in a place looking for who, where are the untapped talents on this roster that can kind of make up for things in a playmaking respect. And really Kuzma and Caruso are the only places that I, I look at that. I just don't think we can do it. With the Robert. bars aren't even high for them, right? So, it, and right. I should right. say the ceiling's not high for them either. They can exceed expectations mm-hmm. and we'd be like, oh, great. Like, look at these guys. But in the bigger picture, what you're likely getting from them st- still is not going to be enough, right? And this is one of the, f- and I hate to talk about this now within the context of, of only DeMarcus Cousins going down, be because in the end, this is a roster construction issue in general that we've already discussed. But mm-hmm. the Lakers do need another playmaker. You had talked about already that they likely need a, a lead guard <laughs> still, right? Like even with yeah. even projecting Cousins out to be a key rotation player and and him operating at relatively good good health over the course of a season, like say you actually get sixty five to seventy games of of Demarcus Cousins. I think your perspective was still likely well the Lakers still need another lead guard. I said as much, right? Like we're we're trying to win a title. We're trying to win an NBA championship. I I feel like there's this mindset in in terms of the Lakers' sphere of we've been watching these young guys develop for so long that we are very <laughs> we're very gracious and very patient in and and this is the old Laker fan coming out of me of the I expect us to compete for titles every year and I loved watching the kids and I love watching them grow but. 
this <laughs> this framework of like we really need guys to show up show out and step up and and fill these roles like it, it's swung from that like hey there's going to be growing pains i'm going to be patient with young guys yeah well, when you no, trade no, all of we're that done with to that. try to get the team is done with that so forget fan perspective because fans even you and i right rational fans <laughs> i hope most times more you than me but yeah for forget people like us even the organization has put their chips into the middle of the table you know so Mm -hmm. they could have hedged more than what they did but they they just didn't you know what i mean like they said no we're not we're bringing back rondo we're we're bringing back KCP. They chased DeMarcus Cousins. They traded away everyone but Kuzma for Anthony Davis. They're of the mindset of they want to win a championship during LeBron's tenure as a Laker, right? That means building the best possible team. And, and I think that they did well to recover in the way that they did after Kawhi Leonard sort of spurned them for the Clippers. But the fact of the matter is, is that there's still work to do with this roster. And I'm very interested to see what direction they they go in. But let's put that aside for, for a second, be, because I think you and I could go back and forth on hypotheticals and what can they do to get player X. The guys who are here... You mentioned two key players, Caruso and Kuzma. Let's talk about Kuzma because I actually think that the Cousins injury specifically has two big ramifications for this roster. A, Anthony Davis is going to have to play more center. And B, Kyle Kuzma is going to get a lot more run, I feel like, than what he was going to get and yeah. he's a lot more so, important. Like, we need him to take a leap. Like, I was hoping for him to take, take a leap before this, but I thought, hey, you know, if Boogie can get back to that type of guy, that maybe slots Kuzma into a more appropriate place. Now we need one of those, like, Pascal Siakam type of improvements from Kuzma. Yeah, if, the if year three jump, this year. right? So talk to me about mm-hmm. Kuzma's on, he's battling for a roster spot, with Team USA to go to the world championships. He's saying all of the right things in that environment, right? Working on defense and rebounding. You you know, I actually think that Greg Popovich being in his ear every day of just about style of play is a good thing for him, right? Making quicker decisions. Mm, I do too. Move the ball, shoot when you're open, right? All of the good things that we want from a young player how viable is it? Talk to me about Kuzma a little bit about, yes, we have hopes, but what are your thoughts really about him getting there and what tangible things do you think are are actually in his wheelhouse for him to be able to, to take sort of that year three leap? I think he needs a bit of a mentality shift. The one... The one area where he can step in for Boogie is Boogie can put the ball in the hoop. 
And I, you know, I was thinking that Kuz is the was probably the fourth leading scorer on this team. And when you talk about a fourth leading scorer type of guy, you need a guy to be more well rounded at that point. If you've got three guys who are more important scorers at that, and he may have been battling cousins for the third scorer on that but that's not really the point now he is clearly the number three scorer on this team and that's something that he can do right that's something that if uh, if his jumper comes back or even close to what it was the rookie year then we're looking at a, a scorer who's not only capable but also very complementary to the style of play that LeBron and Anthony Davis have he can score without dominating the ball and so he can fill that void that DeMarcus Cousins will leave as a result I also think, though, that he needs that mentality shift. We, we've spoken about the, the defensive end, but also as a playmaker now, his playmaking ability that he had a couple of eight or ten assist games last year that when he decides that I'm going to play this way, that's Kuzma at his best on the offensive end. That's a guy, he, he doesn't have a ton of ball handling ability, but he's able to do everything else. He's this great cutter, able to make all these wonderful floaters and runners off of the right foot, off of the wrong foot, and the the, the ability to score while others are dominating the ball, whether it's on the outside or inside, and being able to play make and re- make the right play, that becomes so important, so so important. And we really need Kuzma to be like a three and a half or four yeah. assists per game type of guy this year. You know, I and, think they need and it eight eight and a half assists combined between Davis and Kuzma. Is that too low for you? Yeah, that sounds no. That's that sounds about right. AD his assists went up. They nearly doubled last year. He had averaged three point nine last year, and I think Kuz was around two and a half. I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but AD's AD's went up more as a function of how the Pelicans used him. They used him in a lot more handoffs, and they used him at the top of the key rather than Boogie. Uh, and, and I expect the Lakers will will try to duplicate that a bit. And and then yeah, I, I think that the type of spacing that the Lakers could provide. I'm really curious on Phil Handy's involvement in the player development. He's not technically a player development coach, but that is his background, and he is arguably the best in the NBA at that. You take a guy like that and give him a guy like Anthony Davis, who's just almost unlimited talent, then I I think that could be a great combination that can help unlock some of that playmaking ability. But yeah, between the two of them, we're going to... Like, bro, LeBron's going into... Is this, what, year 18? And, And we really need him to do all of the playmaking? Like, think of the playmaking on the roster now that Boogie went down. And what a load is on LeBron's shoulders now. Now, if anybody can do it, it's LeBron... But is that really how we want to go through 82? And this could even be something where it it knocks down the Lakers a playoff seed or two because over 82 games, you don't want to have LeBron's foot on the gas. And then that makes them a team nobody wants to play at whatever seed that they're at. But But potentially three three or four playoff rounds all as an underdog or all as a road team. That's that's, right. It is. That's significant. at some That's point, you'd love for the Lakers to still to still be able to say, "Oh well, they're a three seed or a two seed, right?" C- right. Because the West is going to be a bloodbath anyway, and so much of I feel like the Western the success of every playoff team in the Western Conference this upcoming season is almost going to all be dictated by matchups. So we're getting way ahead of ourselves here, but. But sure, I mean, sure. you talked about a full 82 two games. LeBron is going to be load managed some this year. 
Mm-hmm. You last year he played what fifty five games. That was an injury season. I would expect his number to be in between what seventy two and seventy five games that this season. Mm-hmm. They're going to need to make up some of that, and so. I want to pivot. I was going to go more into Kuzma here, but can I ask you about Vogel for for a second? Because I actually think some of what is going to happen here is Vogel's going to need to adjust, right? When when we had um, mm-hmm. Coach Piper on, and mm-hmm. you and I talked about this as well, both on and offline, th- we, we sort of anticipated the Lakers running a lot of two big man sets, a lot of horns action, a lot of mm-hmm. playing through through both big men. And I feel like a big component of that was Cousins. Do you see Vogel, who's not known as the most creative offensive coach to begin with, how do you <laughs> see him sort of navigating this now without Cousins? I can tell you how I... I would like him to. I don't know Vogel's tendencies well enough to tell you what he will do, but the Lakers really need to lean on their spacing. And along those lines, um, I want to read you a a tweet from Jared Greenberg of NBA TV. He said, uh, in the wake of the DeMarcus Cousins news, a high-ranking member of the Lakers tells me that they do not expect, nor do they want, Anthony Davis to play big minutes at center this season. My my first reaction to that is I, I don't like it. That's something that that's Anthony Davis's best position. LeBron's best position is at the four. And if the Lakers are going to be the team that we want them to be, then they're going to need to play those positions quite a bit. Now, that doesn't mean that AD will never do it, but I think you could probably venture a guess that AD is not going to start at the five, if that's the perspective that the Lakers have. And that's consistent with what they've said all along. Now, we thought, hey, maybe the boogie injury will change that. But it's totally, you can see how they would keep that position with AD being a free agent and with how they want to manage this. But again, this is another area where you don't quite get the best out of the team. And we're already at a point where the Lakers need to be good on the margins now. They need to get the most out of everybody. Now, not playing him big minutes is not necessarily synonymous with he won't play there or he won't be there in a closing lineup. But if I'm Vogel, I'm <laughs> I'm really politicking to get like, look, if we're going up against Embiid or Gobert or Jokic, you know, the different giants of the game, hey, let's, during the regular season, let's minimize the amount that AD has to bang on one of the giants in the game. And that's probably the weakest part of his game is that that's who he struggles with the most are the really, really big dudes in the NBA. Those are the guys that he, he plays the worst against. He's still very good. But that's that's his weakest matchup. So over the course of 82, I get it. Let's not do that a ton. But there are going to be other nights where you're not going up against one of those guys. That, and there are more teams in the NBA that don't have those type of guys than do. And we need to really lean on the spacing of this team. That's a potential asset. The ability for Anthony Davis not just to shoot. He's okay, three-point shooter. But that ball-handling ability harkens back to like Lamar Odom, right? Lamar Odom was a great stretch four. And those were the closing lineups because he he had that ability to handle the rock. AD can be a great stretch five, and he's already been that. And so when I think of like, hey, who do I want on the floor when now that Boogie's gone? And this may have been true with 
with Boogie, but AD, LeBron, Kuzma, Danny Green, and maybe KCP, maybe Avery Bradley, maybe Alex Caruso. It depends on who's playing well that night, but having a group where all five guys can shoot the ball, and really you don't have to do much in the way of running sets with the amount of individual talent that LeBron and Anthony Davis have. If I'm Vogel, I'm looking to give them space to operate off of and let their talent do as much of the work. And a lot of times that wouldn't look very complicated. How about you? If you're in Vogel's position, what are you looking No, I think that everything you said is spot on. I also think that they can still run horn sets. I think that you could put Kuzma and AD at the elbows. I think you could even put Kuzma Mm -hmm. or AD and JaVale at the elbows as long as the ball's not going through JaVale's side, right? For like a ball entry. Right. So I still think we'll see some some of that. I still think we're going to see a lot of those like sort of screen actions that set up isolations for Davis and for LeBron, those mid-post catches. I also hope that we see exactly what you said though spacing lebron davis pick and rolls if caruso's in the game as a secondary pick and roll creator uh, that will help we were talking about kuzma earlier what type of work has kuzma done as a ball handler this offseason the environment that he's in now isn't one where he's going to be asked to do or show any of that. But I would imagine, based off of the skill work that Kuzma does every summer, beyond the work that he's done on on his shot, it would surprise me if if he did not sort sort of work on some of his wing skills. And he did some of that last year for the Lakers already. When you were talking earlier about some of the playmaking that that he had done, a lot of that was when Brandon Ingram was out. And, you know, there is no more mm-hmm. Ingram this year. And there's not even any approximation of any of those other ball handling guards or wings on the roster this season, except for Caruso and Rondo, right? So th- there could be opportunity right. there for Kuzma as well to play sort of a combo forward role next to LeBron and Davis, where he too gets an opportunity to play at the top of the floor with with the ball in his hands. Not necessarily to to be like this this high usage shot well shot creator guy um, as a primary option while flanking the two superstars, but definitely someone who gets to work. Um, as a second or third option within a specific set in in order to do some some of that work. So just like you, I don't know enough about Vogel to say that he's like, oh, this is what I envision him him doing. This is going to be sort of a learning year for us as well in terms of watching this coach and, and right. what he does from a day-to-day basis. But... I do think that he he needs to lean more on the strengths of of his best players who also happen to be some of the best players well in the league and and doing anything where it was sore sort of um oh well let's get into this sort sort of set just to run these guys around a little bit more <laughs> Right. This isn't a set running team. This is a superstar team. This is a team built around superstars. And we're probably going to see a lot of plays that are 
kind of stagnant, right? It seems like everybody's standing around. And honestly, a lot of times that's going to be okay. They're, if they're standing around, if even if JaVale's in the game, JaVale's in the dunker spot, you got shooters beyond the three-point line, and you got AD and LeBron going to work. Standing it, around, you know, it, yes. KCP is going to be in the corner. Jared Dudley is going to be in the corner. Kyle Kuzma is going to be in the corner. All, all of these guys are going to be standing around some, and LeBron and AD are going to be attacking the front of the damn rim. Right, like there. That's right. I I don't care about all of the stuff you do before that, as long as the goal is to get LeBron and Anthony Davis to the front of the damn rim, and you spot up Danny Green and all of these other guys around them. This team is going going to be okay. What can't happen is them trying to get a little bit too cute with things. So. Right. Right. That's right. All right. So let's take a little bit of a break. And then uh, when we get back, Sasha is going to hop on the mic and uh, ask us some questions for the mailbag. So, But before that, football season is here. It's time to start placing your bets for the NFL and college football. Blue Wire is teaming up with sports information traders and the legend John Price, one of the world's most successful sports bettors. So our listeners are given the chance to make more money on football this season. Go to sportsinformationtraders.com backslash blue and get the college football and NFL futures plays. Last year, sports information traders correctly predicted the Clemson Tigers to win the college football championship, making one client alone $110,000. The year before that, Kurt Presley of sports information traders made $1 million with a preseason wager on the Philadelphia Eagles to win the Super Bowl. John Price and the Sports Information Traders team can guide you on the best ways to make money on futures bets and preseason football betting picks. You get all of that for just $99. It's totally worth getting Sports Information Traders betting picks. Sports Information Traders has been featured in ESPN, Gambling911.com, Entrepreneur Magazine, and many more. John Price has been successfully making money betting on sports for over 20 years. Make a big return for a small investment with Sports Information Traders Futures Picks. Get started now by going to SportsInformationTraders.com backslash blue. Hi, Sasha. Uh, good to have you on the mic. How you doing? <laughs> no, keep this in. <laughs> Y'all kept it. Y'all kept it. All Sasha the bad stuff from me last year, last pod. <laughs> it's an, an auspicious start. Sasha has the editing powers. So it's true. Uh, I have we'll final see. call. We'll see. That's right. So we're doing a new thing where we're asking for questions. We're going to do a regular mailbag segment on the pod uh, from people who subscribe to my Patreon and to Darius's Patreon, just questions about the team. And we're going to be doing that on a regular basis going forward. So we'll do about, I think about 15 minutes worth uh, for this pod, and we'll continue that as a regular segment going forward so we can uh, so we can answer you guys' questions. So without further ado, what do you, what okay. do you got for us, Sasha? I sound like I'm about to cry, but I'm not. I tried to pick questions that were related to the DeMarcus Cousins debacle of today a little bit, and we've kind of danced around some of them, but we had a really good one from Domin, and it was as as follows. Given that there feels like an all-time high number of teams that feel like they have a chance this year, there will be less sellers at the deadline, I think. Leaving signing free agents as one of the key ways to round out this team this season. Amongst these names, long list, sorry, which one stands out as the addition that fits the best need and also has the best chance to work out in the Lakers' favor? And then there's a list. And I'll give you the list. Ryan Anderson, 
Carmelo Anthony, Corey Brewer, Jeremy Lin, Devin Harris, Jared Bayless, Jose Calderon, Jamal Crawford, Jody Meeks, J.R. Smith, Luol Deng, is it Tabo Cephalosha? Tabo? Mm -hmm. Kenneth Fareed, Marcin Gorta, Nene, and Joakim Noah. What do you think? That was a lot of names. I think with today's news, uh, I would have gone with Cephalosha before Boogie went down. But with him going down, I think Fareed is probably the Lakers' best option to replace him. He was really good last year. He was really good, especially with the Rockets. He he had a short stint with Brooklyn where he was not as good. um, But he really fit what and and shot, I think, 35% um, on on limited threes. But he showed some ability to space the floor that he never has before. Now, he's not... He's not a big body, but if I need somebody to to bang with someone and not have it be Anthony Davis mm-hmm. at this point of the offseason, you're probably going to be you're not going to do much better than Fareed. Where where are you on on that, Darius? It's probably a toss up for me. So I'm not really a big Fareed fan, honestly. He's okay. small. The flashing of shooting, I'm not exactly sure about that on a more conventional team sure yeah houston is i just feel like d'antoni in general there is what we were talking about standing in the corner my guess is that a player like farid in houston system if he wasn't diving to the rim he he was going to be taking threes from basically one of two or three places on the floor ever right both corners and maybe an above the break three every once in a while Every once in a while. But I would imagine that was pretty pretty rare. Fareed plays with motor, but he's not good on defense. He is an okay rebounder, but I'm not convinced that he's going to be able to do that at a high enough level as he ages. I would probably go more towards Noah, personally. Uh, like, I read yeah, yeah. this article today where Noah's... Noah right. came up. That's what I was going to bring up. And he yeah. brought up the fact that, um, you know, Noah played for Kurt Rambis while with the Knicks. Noah did not play well during his stint with, with the Knicks, and that it's very likely Rambis does not carry a high opinion of Joe Kim Noah. And as we know, Rambis's opinion is important now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Big sigh. So. But I would go towards Noah. He played well in Memphis last year. He is a passer, he is a defender, and he is a rebounder. Those are skills that translate regardless. He's he's not going to give you spacing or shooting um, or any of that, but he can be a threat in the pick and roll as, as a role man. Um, as a scorer, right? Not necessarily as a lob threat, but as someone who can basically at the front front of the rim can can put the ball in in the basket. More importantly, I feel like he can be in a passer out of short roll situations. Right, right. No, he's he, that's that's his best offensive attribute is his so passing ability. I, it's not. I, even I mean, of those names that Sasha read and that Damon provided, it would be Noah. Can I ask you a side question, though? I'm just going to save the name. Carmelo Anthony. What are your thoughts? <laughs> no. No. I mean, like, it... Look, I I don't really like how everybody piles on 
to Car- Carmelo Anthony. Uh, it's it, it feels a little excessive to me at this point, but part of that is because he has refused to alter how he plays to fit not just the modern NBA, but also as you get older, you lose some of your powers. Like Vince Carter is the guy that we think of, right, as a guy who is jumping over people at one point and was a number one scoring option who's been able to alter his game. Just his style of play, like I'm not sure what the value add is on a team that still has a lot of guys in the front court and all of their best players in their front court. He's neither a three nor D player, um, and he's not a five. So yeah, and I, he's I not a, like a lead guard. I don't so. see the reason. Right, and he's not a lead guard. He he fills none of the needs that we have on this team. So I'm a I'm a hard so no I, on that. If I could so. just say one more name, if it wasn't Noah, I I may actually take a chance on Jeremy Lin. Yeah, if if his body, yeah, if, if his body is able to to hold up. Um, that that is my concern with Lynn at this point. Is I just I don't know if he's physically capable of going through eighty two. Um, but yeah, I've I've always liked him. He's been a, a very good pick and roll guard for a long time. Uh, I just think that his physical capabilities have really, um, you know, they're just not what they used to be in a way that I, I don't think he can get minutes on a on a team you know that's contending for a title. So what do we got? What do we got next, Sasha? Uh, that being old thing was kind of the theme of the list, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yes, it was. <laughs> they were all old people. So the next one is about Kuzma, and it's from Bin Lee, and he asks about like the national team. So he says, the typical narratives for players playing on the national team is, A, their NBA season vastly improves due to national team reps and playing with better teammates, and B, the NBA season will be injury riddled due to added miles without summer rest. Is there data that supports, contradicts either narrative or tells a different story? How will this impact Kuzma's NBA season? I have a separate but related question. Do you think that Kuzma will make the national team? So I do think Kuz will make the national team. I think it'll be close, but I think he'll make it. I, I'm sorry, Ben, I don't have the any data reflecting that i think that for some guys it's a good idea and for others it's a bad idea i love that kuzma's going through this and doing this he's exactly the type of player who can benefit from a more disciplined environment team usa is it has some of a college team type of vibe to it from a uh you know these aren't guys playing for contracts these are guys playing for for a country to play with other guys that they respect to have the Team USA experience. It's just a different mentality than the NBA. And it has an organization that's had Jerry Colangelo there for a very long time, Popovich there for a long time, Jeff Van Gundy. Um, I know Jay Wright is on the uh, sideline. Steve Kerr is there. You've got just a lot of talent in in ways like, like I think Kuzma needs to grow up as a player, which is not you know, bad thing to say about a young guy. It's just the Lakers, as we were saying earlier, like the pendulum swung from having patience with young players to crap, crap, crap. We're trying to win a title this year and we need you to grow up right away. And that's the position that Kuzma finds himself in. To that end, I think Team USA is a very valuable experience. Where do you stand, especially on a day where we've got, uh, we had a guy go down with an injury? That's one of the things you worry about, right? Is guys getting that extra mileage? Where yeah, do you stand? I'm not on that sure about the injury years? part, but, and, you know, this may make some of our listeners mad, but um, I'm going to rip this right from our friend Bill Simmons, 
when it comes to sorry man he was the he was the one who said this and so i'm just gonna rip it from him and i'm gonna give people credit because that's what i do is i give people credit does he does hold on hold on hold on yes i still still have you blocked on on twitter that that's that that is a badge of honor (laughs) right if you're not blocked by bill simmons and you're a laker fan i'm not sure what you've been doing probably hiding you've probably been hiding i love that that you, for one, for one, you block so many people on Twitter that that amuses me. And then, like the idea of you getting blocked because oh, you're always so yes and no and measured. The idea that at some point you said some something to him where he was like, "Yeah, I'm not, I'm not even with this guy." Anyway, anyway, sorry, so I, I digress. He, he was on Carry a on. recent podcast of his, and he had strung off a long list of names of players who had experienced lots of success after representing the national team, basically. And so he mentioned like several players who had their best seasons, who were young players coming off of like the 2008 Olympic team, right? And that includes LeBron, Dwayne Wade. They both had some of their best seasons. Derek Rose was on that team. He won the MVP the following year. Dwight Howard was on that team. Mm-hmm. He made a push to the finals with with the Magic that year. When you jump ahead two years to the world championship team, all those Olympic guys, none of them played for that 2010 world championship team. But that was a breakout team with um, Kevin Durant was on that team, and he was quite young. I think it was only his third or his fourth year at that point, but he was the breakout star come, coming off of that world world championship team. Steph Curry was on that team, and there were several other players who had all sort, sort of taken a sort of leap come coming off of national team play. And so if Kuzma does make this team, and I'm a little bit more skeptical that he will make this team than than you are. Mm. I think that he's got a good shot. I wonder though if to me if all four Celtics players make this team, which is very possible, right? When you talk about Tate, I think that Tatum's on. I think that Kemba Walker's on. I think that Jalen Brown is probably on. And then Marcus Smart is a little bit of a wild card. But if all four Celtics make this team and PJ Tucker makes this team. I'm not sure if Kyle Kuzma makes this team. Yeah, I, I thought Marvin Bagley withdrawing um, gave him, you know, more of a more of a chance, and just the other guys, not just Bagley, but just the number of guys, and that and, and that may even play into my opinion of how helpful this is. This is not yeah. a normal Team USA environment where it's like the best of the best in the game. Um, you know, a bunch of all stars. This is a very strange Team USA, and maybe. Kuz doesn't benefit from that. But what's the alternative? Like, he said this the other day, and I think he's totally right. Like, yeah, like, this is way better than playing pickup games, right? So, th- this is, yeah, th- this will at least get him, I feel like allow the him to hit the ground running. Is the one that you made about the coaching staff and just sort of the dialogue and conversation mm. that he's able to have with Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr, Jeff Van Gundy, um, Jay Wright, and, and even veteran guys who were there like Kemba Walker and Chris Middleton and PJ Tucker and Brooke Lopez, who was a former teammate, right? That these are all sort of guys that he can learn from while also competing with peers Mm -hmm. like 
Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox, right? So I feel like he is sort of getting the the best of all worlds with this. And and I think it'd be great for him to make this team, even if I'm not necessarily in love with the travel for this. Anyways. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, I, I think I think it's far far better for him. Like any way you slice it, this whole experience, and even if he doesn't make the team, right? Um, this is better than him not doing it. He's exactly the, now. If it was Anthony Davis, I don't want Anthony Davis to be doing this. I don't want LeBron doing this. But a guy like Kuz, especially a guy who kind of needs to grow up in some ways as a player, I think he's exactly the type of guy that that we want doing this. All right, let's do uh, let's do two more, Sasha. I have exactly two more. So this is another from Ben Lee. Great questions, Ben. Wonderful. Which role players, including Danny Green, do you think have the best chance to overperform and underperform their salaries? I think Alex Caruso can overperform his salary. I, I actually think that Caruso could end up being this team star's starting point guard. And I feel like mm-hmm. um, strong defense and if the shooting ends up being real and just all of the intangibles, I think that he'll be worth more than whatever, like the $3 million he's making a season. I have a, so that would have been my, my pick. And well, first of all, Kuzma is going to be the guy who outperforms his salary because he's on that rookie scale contract and he's well beyond that. So he's going to be the guy that, that, that will be that. I, I, I'm going to go. I understand that he is not the superstar, but Of course, we've stressed his importance this whole time. Like, no, I I agreed. Absolutely agreed. Absolutely agreed. So I'm actually going to go as to not duplicate your answer. Huh? I'm going to go with KCP. I I I know that that sounds uh, no. Let's hear it. He ain't exactly your favorite, Darius. But I (laughs) like. KCP not too long ago was a starting caliber shooting guard. In fact, he was our starter two years ago, and he was fine, right? He got off to a really bad start last year, and when I say bad start, like the first half plus of the season, right? But for more of his career than not, he's been a starting caliber shooting guard on a team that does not necessarily need a point guard, if you're going to have LeBron handling a lot of those responsibilities. Now, we talked earlier about the wear and tear, and that's certainly valid. But, you know, LeBron had Mario Chalmers and Norris Cole, and Kobe had Derek Fisher, right? Like, when you've got those types of wings, you don't necessarily need that point. You need a guy who can knock down shots and can defend. And KCP is making $8 million this year, which is... A- good chunk of money, but it's less than what the average NBA player makes. I think that he may be somebody that we're talking, that we're not talking about enough as a guy who can be an effective three and D player operating off of what two stars can do. I don't entirely believe the argument that I just made, but I I do think that that's more of a possibility. From your lips to the basketball God's ears. Bro, we need it. We need like a couple of those guys. They just need to pop. Oh, hey, this guy had a, Oh, yeah, just like, like oh, career KCT year type of thing. Yeah. is shooting 42% on open threes this season and is at 38.5% overall. 
Avery Bradley like looks like he he was in Boston, right? Like he got it back. He's feeling good health wise. Those are exactly the type of guys that we need. And I was hoping you know Boogie would be the the main yeah. example of that, but that's that's gone now. So yeah, those are exactly the type of guys that we need. All right, one one more. What do we got, Sasha? Okay, this is from our girl Jeannie Kim. <laughs> Shout out Jeannie Kim. Who of the Lakers draft picks from 2015 on do you think will ultimately end up having the best career? Oh, I um, I worry about Lonzo's health, or else he would be my pick. So I'm gonna go with D'Angelo. Oh, D'Angelo Russell. That. How about you, Darius? He's already mm-hmm. made an All Star team, so he is quite ahead of the pack. Everyone else is chasing him at this point. My my heart wants to say Lonzo. My head wants to say Brandon Ingram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been my pick. Like it's very close between Russell and, and Ingram in that respect. I I I've never really loved Ingram's style of play in terms of like the ball dominance. I don't think his scoring ability matches how much he occupies the ball, and then his off ball stuff isn't. He's just not doesn't have a natural talent for that. But he is capable of being that jack of all trades type of guy where he could have more overall value, even if D'Angelo is probably going to be the better scorer of of the two and and playmaker on top of that. I just, I just think he has the most tools, and mm-hmm. oh, definitely. I think he has the work ethic too. Yeah, and the right mindset to get there. Whether he does or not, I'm not sure. Russell's certainly the closest right now to what his ceiling could be. You know, like he is on that path already. Yeah, he and he and Randall are the. Are the oldest, so yeah, it would make sense I mean, that they like, are the closest. I love to that. Randall. So look at all these guys the Lakers had. <laughs> you, you, no, bro, I, no, bro, like, I don't, don't like. No, I, they better win a look, friggin' title these next couple of years. Like, and that, I'm not saying I knew no, these no, dudes no. are superstars. Like, by the way, I'm not saying that. But I just it, really liked and, and continue to like all of these guys. I've said this a hundred times mm-hmm. before, and I'll say it a hundred time times again. Like, I'm just going to continue to root for these guys' success. Like, I like them as players. And I didn't like them as players just because they were on the Lakers. I like them as players because they they play a style or or have a feel to their game that I just like and appreciate. And so nothing but success to those guys. And, you, you know, honestly, I like Anthony Davis too. So... <laughs> Sure, sure, sure. Hope we have him for more than one year. But no, that's no one asked that question. Conversation Pete. for no another one asked day. That question. Uh, but yeah, nobody did ask that question. All right. Thank you for everyone who participated in that. We are going to get to all of the questions. It just won't be on this pod. So we'll continue this uh, in to the next pod. Uh, continue answering your questions. Uh, in the meantime, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast, and we will catch you guys next time. Give me a chance to think. It takes me a little while to get wound up. I know it does take you a while to think. Rebound to Vladi. Nice rebound to Vladi. Oh, magic ahead and go to face. Goes under and scores. With standing ovation. Listen to the crowd. I think that is a cosmetic call, baby. Okay, kid, you're all right in my book. Will you get these idiots out of here? <laughs>